0: Uh, I, I want to start with a really deep question. I know sometimes like you have to warm, to warm the crowd up when you preach before you really get into the heavy stuff, but can we just jump right on in? Can we just get there? Oh, yeah. So I, I, I want to start with a question, and I, if, you have, if you have enough courage in your soul, I want you to actually answer the question by raising your hand. Can, can we all just take a deep breath? Okay, safe place. We're good. Everybody here? We, we, we tracking? All right, here's the question. How many of you watch on Netflix The Chef's Table? (laughs) Wow, that's it? (laughs) Dude, I thought it would be way more than that. Okay, great. Y'all are going to think that this illustration is bomb because you're not going to know that I've stolen it, okay? (laughs) But if you don't know what The Chef's Table is on Netflix, it is like they find these amazing chefs that are doing kind of mind-blowing stuff and sometimes in very obscure places, right? And, and it's this total binge-worthy, man. Like you get somebody who is like creating something and not settling for just what it's always been, but dreaming and like working so that it becomes something spectacular, like I'm in. Okay? I'm like, all right, I wanna, I'm going to drink all of this in. I, like, I want to take it in. And so as I have binge, binge watch, okay, just true confession, as I've like fully been on the binge train of the chef's table, I have noticed in my research, let's call it research, okay? I've noticed in my research <laughs> as I have been exploring the chef's table that all of these chefs, although they make totally different things, all have one thing in common every single one of them does this very thing they are either growing or making from scratch everything that they're using they they and if they're not growing it in their garden they know the farmer who grew it they're very connected to their ingredients Because they understand that what they're making can only be as good as what it is they're making it with. The ingredients that they're using has a direct correlation to the effectiveness, to the tastiness of what it is that they're creating. And here's the deal. All of them change their menus based on the seasons. Why? Why? Because they're only going to use things that are growing in the season that we're in. They're only going to use the ingredients that are growing in the season that they're in. And and they know that, yeah, I can maybe get watermelon in the winter. But it's not going to really be a watermelon. Watermelon. And and, and look, I I think that we can learn a little bit from these chefs that that it's not just in fruits and vegetables that we need to pay attention to the seasons. We need to pay attention to the seasons in our life. Because new seasons demand new behaviors. New seasons demand new behaviors. And so when when you are trying to do what you've been doing in a new season with old ingredients, it's not going to taste the same. And a lot of times we feel stuck in life. We feel like we've run up against a wall in our walk with God at times. We feel like we're stuck in relationships. Man, I can't get past this hurdle. I I can't do it. And whatever it is, we feel stuck sometimes. I have found most of the time when we feel stuck, it's because we're trying to operate in a new season with old understanding. And new seasons demand new behaviors. Look, when I was in college, I am so thankful that I had amazing men around me who were discipling me and teaching me the importance of daily spending time in the Word and worshiping God and in prayer. I am so thankful that when I was 18 years old and I had nothing to do but to go to two classes, that somebody said, hey, I know you feel overwhelmed right now. But it's going to be good for you that in this season that you learn a really healthy habit, a holy habit of starting your day by worshiping God, getting into the word of God and praying. And I'm so thankful for that. And I fell in love with it. And and it became a massive anchor point in my life and to this day in my life. But then I got married and then I had a kid. Okay? Can we just say parenting new season? Can we all agree? You go from no kids to one kid new season. So now I've had a habit of waking up. What do I do? It's quiet in my house. Wake up when I'm supposed when I you know when I set my alarm. I make coffee, I sit at the table, no one bothers me. Right? I worship, I read my Bible. Right now, all of a sudden I have this kid that is not <laughs> concerned with my encounter. They're not respecting the boundaries of our relationship. I'm like, yo, look, Sophie, if you can just be quiet for about 30 minutes, I promise you I'll probably be a better dad. She didn't understand that. At week three, she didn't get that. When, when I'm looking at her, I'm like, hey, I really need you to sleep through the night tonight because daddy's got a big day, and I, you know, I needed to kind of go this way. She was like, ha, 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 You know, I mean, like, there's, there's nothing. And I remember getting so frustrated. Like, how am I supposed to spend time with God? Like, right when I'm, like, getting into a groove, I hear, J.D., go get Sophie, you know? And I'm just like, I'm spending time with God. And so, like, what do I do? Am I a jerk? Do I spend time with God? I'm going to lose-lose. And I remember just, like, honestly, racking my head, like, God, how do I do this? Like, I don't want to lose this. I don't want to lose this habit, this holy habit that's been foundational. It's been transformational. It's given me a foundation of truth. It's made me fall in love with the person of Jesus. It allows me to fall in love with the word of God. It holds me tight. It gives me strength when I feel weak. It pours life into my soul when I feel overwhelmed. How am I supposed to have that experience when I can't have this experience? And so I remember I went to the Lord. I was like, God, you got to help me. Sophie won't shut up. <laughs> I'm reading her the scripture. You know, honor your father and your mother. She's not like, she doesn't care. And I'm like, God, what do I do? And, and I'm so thankful again, right? When you enter a new season, you enter into that new season not to judge what you did in the past season. But to move forward into the new season because of the understanding you got in the past season. And so I didn't look back in the new season and go, man, I can't believe I was so legalistic and thought all that stuff. I look back and said, I'm thankful I have a foundation that my day doesn't seem right until I eat the word of God. That's my breakfast. Like I, I, I'm like, I'm thankful for that. But now I had to hear God say, hey, be with me as you are with her. So my time with God changed in its form because of the season that I was in. New seasons demand new behaviors. Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time for everything. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And I think as followers of Jesus, we need to be like these chefs. We need to take the fruit of the season that we're in. We have to understand it. And then we have to live from it. You have to know your season. Some of our frustration that we feel in relationships and with God and all sorts of things is because we're looking at the new season with last season's glasses. And hear me, church, God is telling us, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. There's a new thing that's happening. We are entering into a new season. And I'm so thankful that by the grace of God, he made it so that we couldn't escape it, that we would move to this place and do a new season as a church at the beginning of the year. And you can't think beginning of the year without thinking new season. Right, And I'm going to be honest with you, I have a love-hate relationship at the beginning of the year. I don't know if anybody else does. Because I love it, because at the beginning of the year, it's like, oh, everything I don't like about myself and everything around me, I can change it this year. <laughs> right? And that fires me up. And it's like, Yes! Like, oh, let's tackle some stuff. Let's get that. Let's fix that. You know, it's just like, all right, cool. And you start thinking in your head, what do I need to change? What, what needs to change in my life? Okay, definitely need to figure out what, Lord, all the things you want to change in Liz, my wife. Lord, help me. Give me the one that I need to, know I'm joking. She's perfect. But, but, like, we get excited, right? And it's like there's so much potential in new. Like, there's so much potential in new. They're, like, it's not easy or it's not hard to feel the momentum of the new year. Oh, it's a fresh start. It's a new beginning. Here we go. We're getting going. But I also hate it because as I am celebrating all the things and the possibility of change, I'm faced with everything that didn't change. Yeah. So it's like, oh, bummer. Like here, That one didn't go well. That goal <laughs> didn't make it very far. You know, and so it's this dichotomy. If we're really honest, the beginning of the years is, is, is a tension, of Okay, maybe this year is going to be different. Maybe this year actually won't end up like last year. Maybe this year I will actually do X and not just talk about it during the month of January and give up in the month of February. Will this be the year that will be different? And here's my hope for me and you today. My hope for both of us is that we would hear God ask us two simple questions. Two simple questions that will lead us out of the tension that we all feel as we look at new new seasons, a new year, and ask the question, is this year going to be different? I believe God wants to give us two questions that are going to help resolve that tension that we all feel. If you have a Bible, I want you to jump with me to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings... 19. I want to encourage you. I'm old school, all right? I and, and I I you know I, I tried to go digital and just found it wasn't for me. Okay, and, and so if you look at your phone and, and your Bible's on your phone, good for you. But look, I want to encourage you, bring your Bible to church. Let's bring that back, Antioch. Bring your Bible to church, bring bring, bring the good book right because you know what i you know what i reach for in the middle of the night when my soul is aching it's the book and we need to know how to read our bibles we we need to learn to read our bibles we need to know where things are we need to know where we can go to find the refuge that is the word of god and i love how the bible is more available to us than it's ever been before but i just want to encourage you bring your bible to church let's read the book together. All right? So 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. We're actually going to be starting in verse 9. But before we jump into the text for today, let me give you a little context uh, for, for what is happening in this moment of Scripture. Right before chapter 19, chapter 18, we find the people of God were facing both a great drought and a famine as well as just some unbelievable persecution, the, the king of Israel's wife actually was hunting and killing any prophet and or believer that she could find. You want to talk about confusion. That The king who's supposed to be leading the people of God has married a woman who's murdering the people of God. And so let's just all say that it wasn't just the famine that made this season challenging. And so the people of God are suffering. The land was physically hurting. They hadn't had rain in a really long time. And so, with no rain, means no crops, no food. The animals can't eat as well. So, everything is dying and suffering. There's no harvesting. It's just a lot of disappointment, discouragement, desperation, anger, fear. And here's the deal. The human heart is vulnerable in transition. The human heart is vulnerable in transition. The people of God are struggling. They're in a tough season. The season is challenging. And when you are in a challenging season, your heart is vulnerable. And so we oftentimes read, and the people of God turn their hearts from the one true God and begin to worship Baal. And we're like, how in the world did they do that? Like, how could you turn from the one, the God who fed you in the wilderness and did all these miracles in front of you, and you're going to turn to this, like, idol, Baal? How are you going to do that? But then we do it, but our idol is not Baal. Our idol is Netflix. Our idol is Instagram. Our idol is that next big paycheck that I'm chasing. What we're doing is we're saying, like, this season hurts so bad. This doesn't seem to be working anymore. Let me try this. The people of God were hurting. They were in a desperate place. They were suffering. And in in their pain and in their turmoil and their difficulty, their heart was vulnerable. And in their vulnerability, they committed idolatry. They turned from the one true God. They began to worship this idol, Baal. And the crazy thing is that it was the idea of Jezebel, the king's wife. So, the person who's in authority over you is like, hey, this God thing isn't working. Let's try Baal. And so, people in transition and in desperation, our hearts are vulnerable. And so, the people turned from worshiping the one true God. Then they begin to worship Baal. And then God speaks to Elijah. God speaks to Elijah. He's the prophet. And he says, Rain's coming. Ooh, let me just say. If you're in a dry season, rain's always coming. Rain is coming. God speaks to Elijah. He says, Hey, rain's coming. You need to go tell King Ahab that you're entering into a new season. That what you've been experiencing is not what you're going to experience. And you need to go tell King Ahab that rain is coming. The drought is ending. The, the famine is over. You're going to enter into a new season. And so Elijah begins to make his way to King Ahab. And on his way, he runs into a dude named Obadiah. And Obadiah was a follower of the one true God. He had not committed adultery. He had not turned his back. He runs. He's actually been hiding people that wanted to keep worshiping the one true God from Jehovah. Jezebel, so she wouldn't find out about it. Elijah runs into Obadiah. Obadiah's like, Elijah, you'll never believe this. Have you heard what's been going on? Can you believe that Jezebel's killing all these people and, and like, everyone's worshiping Baal? It's just like pandemonium. Like, I don't understand. Like, how in the world did we get here? And Elijah says, okay, cool. Bet, I want you to go tell everybody, gather all the prophets of Baal. Meet me on Mount Carmel. And we're going to have a good old-fashioned showdown. I love it when the Bible gets gangster. <laughs> I do. I grew up on the borders of the hood. And so anytime I see, like, these men of God just being like, yo, that's Thug. Like, Elijah was like, yeah, okay, bet. Let's go. Tell them. Go get them. Go get them. Tell them to go to the mountains. Meet me in the playground. Let's see what happens. <laughs> say it to my face. Let's see what happens when you say it to my face. That's what's going on. So they go, they get like 400 prophets of Baal. And Elijah's like, look, this is what we're going to do. It's very simple. You build an altar, I'll build an altar. I'll give you a head start. Do your thing. Whoever's God comes and consumes the altar with fire, they win. The prophets of Baal are like, come on, let's go. And so they start going at it for 12 hours. They're dancing and doing all this crazy stuff. And I love it. Again, don't forget, Elijah was a thug. And so he starts talking trash. He's like, yo, maybe your God is sleeping. Shout a little louder. Maybe he went out for dinner. Maybe he's not home. I mean, can you just imagine? You got like 400 people and they're like, come on, dude. And this is one guy over there who's just like, yo, maybe a little louder. He can't hear you. Right? They do this for 12 hours. Finally, Elijah goes, enough is enough. My turn. Your God did not answer. Let me pray to my God. And he he prays this, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I'm your servant and you have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And in that moment, oh, I forgot the best part. Before he prayed, just to taunt them, he had them flood his altar. He said, get a bunch of water. Pour it on mine. Let's get it nice and not lightable. He prays this prayer. God does what he does. Can I get an amen? When we call for God to come, guess what he does? He comes. God came, and he came in fire. And it said that the fire consumed the altar, and it licked up the water that was even around the altar. And then Elijah, the gangster, the thug, is like, go get him! Hey, you're now with God. Go kill those liars. Old Testament, man. Wrestle through it. <laughs> it's in the book, dude. It's in the book. I'm not going to pull any punches for you. Like, this, it's there. Read it. 1st Kings 18 marked unlikely victory. Unlikely victory, man. You kidding me? 400 to 1. God does the unthinkable. It's just unbelievable the display of God's glory, the righteousness of God, and then God turns all of the hearts of the people back to him. Unbelievable what happened in 1st Kings 18. And then in 1 Kings 19, Jezebel hears what has happened to the prophets of Baal, and she says, I am going to kill Elijah. I am going to kill Elijah. And that one phrase, hear me, that one phrase took him from a place of victory to a place of insecurity. That one phrase took him him from the memories of an incredible victory that God did in front of his face. That one phrase turned his heart from victory into insecurity and fear. And Elijah, the one who was taunting the prophets, confident in the victory of God, the Bible says ran for his life. He ran for. For his life. Isn't it amazing how one person saying one thing can rob you of what God just did in front of you? One person saying one thing can rob you from what God just did absolutely in front of you. In every season, especially in seasons when you're stepping into a new thing, we have to be careful who we listen to. You have to be careful who you listen to because the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy your ability to rest in the provision and the protection of Almighty God by making all of us question the word of God and the victory of God that we've experienced in our own life. And he'll use words from people around us. Sometimes he'll use words that fly around in our own mind. And if we listen to the wrong thing, we will find ourselves in the wrong place. Uh, yeah. Be careful who you listen to. And this is what happened to Elijah. He went from fearless to fearful. Not because something happened to him, but because something was said about him. The enemy uses Jezebel's words to steal, kill, and destroy Elijah's Fearless faith and confidence in the leadership and the supremacy of God. I said I was going to give you two questions that are going to help you. Two questions that are going to help you navigate through the tension of, is this year going to be better than last year? First question, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? And that brings us to our text, 1 Kings 19, verse 9. I'm going fast because... the. TV broke, I don't know what time it is, and I gave my son my phone. So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if, you're, if you watch this and you're serving the kids, and I, and I went long in this pandemonium, my bad. 1 Kings 19, verse 9, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Remember, he is running for his life. He, is, he has run. He went from fearless to fearful, and he took off and run. God Approaches him and he says, What are you doing here, Elijah? Look, new seasons always start with this question. This is the question we ask ourselves in new seasons. And oftentimes we find that God is asking us the question that we're actually asking ourselves. Because you know, Elijah was sitting there fearful, going, How did I get here? What am I doing here? It's just on Mount Carmel. We saw God do this crazy stuff. And then Jezebel said this thing, man, and now I'm here. And I don't even know how I got here. This is what we do. We ask this question in new seasons all the time. How did I get here? What am I supposed to do now that I'm here? God is asking Elijah the question that he was asking himself. What am I doing here? How did I get here? And look, Elijah's answer tells us who he was listening to. Because this is... His, his answer was, hey, God, everyone has left you. Now they're turning on me, and they're going to kill me. That's actually not true. But when you listen to the wrong thing, how many of you know that you don't care about truth? You just care about what you feel. So he felt like everyone had left him. Therefore, his truth was what? Everyone had left him. And it says this, the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. This is a super famous passage of scripture, an all time fave of mine. It says, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Who you listen to will impact what you do. And what God was doing for Elijah in this moment is he is reorienting his ears to his voice. And I love that God was like, look, does all these crazy things, but it's like the voice of God was not in it. You know why? Because I think Elijah, because of his experience in his last season, knew that God would show up loud. But now that he felt like heaven was silent, he was wondering, is God with me? I need to quote a friend of mine, Max Licato. Max Licato says this, God doesn't have to be loud to be strong. God doesn't have to be loud to be strong. All of God, all of him, all of him is with you in the loud moments in your life and in the quiet moments in your life. All of him is with you. It's not just all of him is with you when you're having breakthrough and then only a little bit of with him is when you're in a desperate, fearful place where you've listened to the wrong voice and you've found yourself asking the question, what in the world am I doing here? All of God. That's, that, that's what God was showing Elijah. I am all, all of me, all of me is here in the quiet, in the whisper. God was reminding Elijah Yeah, I show up when things are loud, big loud moments, but I'm also here with you in these quiet moments. And after this incredible display of the glory of God and the whisper of God and the presence of God, God asks Elijah the same question because it matters who you're listening to. And God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah displays his humanity and answers the very same way that he answered before God had just done all that crazy stuff in front of him. Everybody's against you, everybody's against me, and they're going to kill us both. (laughs) And I love this, God says to Elijah, go back the way you came. Go back the way you came. Maybe one of the most important sentences in my humble opinion in all of the Bible, go back the way you came because God had provided what Elijah needed when he was running, but his fear blinded him and his insecurity deafened him to the leadership of the Lord. And so it'd go back the way that you came and you're going to run into a dude named Elisha and he's going to be plowing in a field and you're going to put your cloak on him, you're going to anoint him, he's going to roll with you and he's going to actually succeed you. So he goes back the way that he came. What did that mean? That means that he had passed by Elisha when he was running in fear and now he's going back and he sees Elijah doing work. Second question that I, I I think is God is giving us to be able to find our way through the tension of is this year going to be better than last year? First question: Who am I listening to? Second question: What am I looking for? What are you looking for? God was showing Elisha that if you're looking for what I, or Elijah, what you're, if you're looking for what I'm doing, you will always see my provision in front of you. But if you're looking out of fear then you're going to miss what I actually have right in front of you. What what are we looking for? God knew what Elijah needed. He provided it for him in his weakness, but his fear and insecurity blinded him from being able to see the provision that was in front of him. Who are you listening to? And what are you looking for? Look, I'm going to end with this, but this is really important. You know, Elisha, who became the prophet, and Elijah, who was the prophet, were asking the same question. You're like, J.D., what do you mean? Elijah was asking the question, what am I doing here? Because he was beat up and burned out. He was overwhelmed, insecure, fearful. He didn't have it in his soul anymore to keep fighting, but Elijah... Shah was asking the question What am I doing here Because he was just working a 9 to 5 Plowing in the fields But all of who he was He was in that moment All of the desires that he then stepped into to become this voice for the people of God, that was already in him. God awakened it, but God always deposits who we are before we step into what we're called to do. You hear what I'm saying? And so he's working the field. What does that tell us? The best thing you can do in a new season is keep your hand on the plow. Keep your hand on the plow. Some of you are in a new season and you're not going, man, I'm beat up and burnt out. You're like, I'm bored. I feel called to all of this how in the world am i supposed to do all this when i'm like doing this like how does that connect you ever feel like the thing god put in you is not connected to where god had you you're like oh my gosh i want to see the end of, of human trafficking in our city and where he has you is working at mcdonald's and you're like okay either i'm crazy or there's got to be another way forward because I don't see how this connects to that. Sometimes we enter into a new season, we need to ask the same question. Who am I listening to? Not because we're beat up or burned out, but because we're bored and boredom leads to apathy. And if you're listening to voices saying, you know what, it doesn't matter what you do. God doesn't care about your job. Do you can, can you see that Elisha was where he needed to be so that Elijah could could anoint him to be the next prophet because he was faithfully doing his job now here's what's beautiful about it is that when as soon as the moment happened where he's anointed by God it says that he runs and tells his family and this is what he does he slaughters all of his oxen and he sets his plow on fire do you know what we call that full sin It's like full sin. Look, church, we're full sin. This new season, full sin. We're not looking back at the old season going, man, gosh, should we keep doing it this way? No, no, no. We're burning the plow. We're slaughtering the oxen. We're saying this way or no way. I'm going to the now word of God and I'm not going to give myself an option to go back into the old wineskin because I understand it. I'm going to lean forward and say, God, you're doing a new thing. God I want to listen to the right things. I want to listen to the right people. I want to see the community that you did in front of me and I'm not going to turn back and go, oh man, and I'm not going to get stuck going, oh geez, I don't know what to do because we're going to be listening to the right voice. We're going to be listening to the right things. We're going to be filled with the right people around us. And when those things happen, darkness has to flee. Darkness has to flee. Do me a favor. Stand to your feet. Here's the word. All this, all that precursor. The intro. Here's the word. God is with us. God is leading us, and He's positioned us for such a time as this. God is with us, He's leading us, and He's positioned us for such a time as this. New seasons demand new behaviors. We're not looking back at the old way we used to do things, we're looking forward into the new thing that God has in front of us, and we are going to step in full sin, full sin, All of it, God. We're going to run after you, man. We're God chasers. We're going to not stop at anything until we see the fulfillment of this city being better because the people of God woke up and said, who am I listening to? And what am I looking for? And we leave this place better than we found it. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. And Lord, we're asking that we would be those that would say, you know what? We're going forward into the word of the Lord. We're going to guard our ears. We're going to guard our eyes. We're going to not get distracted by the things that used to be. We're not going to be held down by what was. Lord, we're going to burn our plows, and we're going to run forward into the new thing that you're doing. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody shout it. Amen. Come on, let's sing.